0: Welcome to the Informed Simplicity Project. My name is Dr. Jordan Harris, uh, and this is an audio blog. I have a new audio blog coming out, and I (laughs) was talking to a friend of mine, and he's literally doing the things in the blog. And so I'm so excited for us to talk to him about his experience doing these things. Um, But before we get into the content of the blog, I would love for you to give an introduction to yourself and just say your name, what you do and uh, give us an overview of the project that, that you're working on.
1: Okay. My name is Patton Conroy and I'm a mechanical engineer. I work for a company that manufactures and designs and maintains jet engines. And I'm in a department that basically Uh, maintains the fleet of engines. So uh, it's the aftermarket group. And what I do and what my team does is we receive requests from a repair facility that disassembles engines periodically and inspects every part. Um, We'll receive requests when they come across a part that has damage or wear that goes beyond the limits of what the uh, manual allows them to repair and so often we'll write one-off serial number specific repairs for them to fix these parts and put them back into service Um, or we will determine that they're not repairable. Sometimes if we've received enough one-time repair requests then we will write a uh, engine manual repair so that they can use it over and over again. Um, Beautiful. So that's that's what I do, um, and that might sound exciting, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was probably exciting for the first few months, maybe the first year, but um, and this is true, I'm sure for most for many jobs. But ninety um, percent of what I do is I chase down information and I search databases for information and I compile the information to make decisions. And um, we have so many different places to get our information from that we have to go to to get our information within the company. And some of that might be intentional so that if we were hacked or something, um, not all of the information would be gained. But what it, what it causes is for um, employees like myself, we have to um, basically run around. It's like I have a metaphor of, it's like I'm working in a machine shop and every single time I need to do anything, I have to get up and walk around the entire shop and collect my tools and come and work on something. And then as soon as I move on to another project or leave my desk and come back, all the tools have like flown back and they're all like back in their like places. And some of them are behind a lock, like a passcode. So it's just, crazy making and quite inefficient. Um, so I've been, you know, 90% of my work is just gathering the tools with the information and it, it drives me mad. Um, like I actually get mad. <laughs> it's so frustrating and it's so boring and it's mindless. You know, I don't need my engineering degree to uh, search a database for a part number and then search the next one for the same part number and then search the next one for something associated with that part number. So my project, what I've been doing is um, I took a very inexpensive, very basic online coding course. And as a mechanical engineer, I I did take one semester of a coding class, but it was not practical. I haven't used any of it since. And um, yeah, it, it, it basically didn't do anything for me. So I felt like taking this online course was basically starting over. And um, so I went into it with no experience, essentially. And it was just, I think I paid $17 for it on udemy.com. And it's a very popular course, uh, a a few years old, so it's a little bit dated. But um, after about nine hours of, you know, going through the content in this course, I am equipped to automate most of the mindless processes that I go through at work, creating folders, moving files, searching for information on either a a web browser database, you know, internal to our company. um, Or uh, just a huge PDF document. You know, there's, there's just a a thousand different ways to code. You, You can solve almost any problem. And so the, very frustrating part of my job has actually become like a really interesting fun part because now I'm coding to solve the really boring problems. I was talking to you the other day. I think I said I'm crushing the boring work or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's how I love it feels that phrase by the way, man. Like yeah, I love I it. Did, I'm like so frustrated with it. I, I really feel aggressive. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not going to show any mercy
0: to this boring, monotonous, mindless work. Um, I'm so, I'm mad at it. So I'm going to crush yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no mercy.
1: Yeah. No mercy. Yeah.
0: So, uh this is fascinating to me because a few weeks ago, probably months ago now, I wrote an article I think it was entitled uh, why you don't need a degree, something along those lines, right? And I basically gave the I basically gave the, let me look it up. Basically gave the thought experiment of like, if you went to college, like most of us did, and you get out, you spent four years, right? Getting a degree. And then you go into the work world and you spend at least six months to a year, right? Learning, not just um, learning how to do the job in that field, but also how to do the job like practically. And I was like, what what if you were to do the opposite, right? What if you were to spend four years working on an original contribution, right? Say that you're an engineer and you wanted to, I don't know, uh, create a new type of, 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 solar, of, of solar panel, right? Uh, and, you grab, and so at four, after four years of working on that one project, you then go and you apply to a job. And my question is, who was more likely to get the job, right? If you had actually created a new type of solar panel, right, you had improved on some sort of efficiency, my bet is the job would hire you. If, if you didn't have the degree. Um, now, I think mean, practically speaking, the job might then hire you or contingent upon you completing some sort of degree if they have to have some sort of accreditation standard or whatever, but they would probably hire you anyway, if you had actually made an original contribution. And this is so obvious that even in, in, in academia, they make you do that, right? Like when I had my undergrad, had to do a capstone project, which is an original contribution. Then, you know, most people, they go on to do a master's, and they might have to do a thesis, which is an original contribution. And then if you're a doctor, you for straight have to do an original contribution, right? So the original contribution means more than the actual degree. And um, I, I put that out there. And as I was getting some feedback and thinking it through, I, I realized that I think that the concept sounds too big right like you have to do something that's totally new and totally uh innovative and i actually think that that's not true i think that your innovation can be something that's actually really small as long as it solves a problem and it sounds to me that you're like literally living this out right now right (laughs) i mean this is a relatively simple innovation that, that you're bringing but mm-hmm. it's one that you see you un- you uniquely because you're you sit where, where you sit where other people don't uh i would never think of making that sort of innovation um but also like it solves a real problem i mean you said like 90 percent of your job is just like Literally, you know, well, not literally, metaphorically, going around this like you know, digital shop collecting parts, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> this thing. You yeah. know, it's like this is crazy. You have a master's degree in mechanical engineering, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. your job. <laughs> that's yeah, so inefficient. We need to put you like on the yeah. best projects to solve stuff instead of having you do a search. basically be like manual Google. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's frustrating, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think that here's something interesting that I'd have to say to that. Um, the whole education system where it is now, you know, attempts, because, you know, even as an undergrad, I did a capstone as well. But many of my professors, most of my professors had either not spent time in industry Mm. or had been out and they'd been in academia so long that their experience in industry was outdated and much of it wasn't relevant. And
2: so the attempt to do an original contribution
1: purely from an academic standpoint without either a, a very economic incentive or a like very, very practical application meeting like a, a real urgent need is, is difficult. And it, isn't, it just isn't happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is they aren't exposed to the real problems in the field. Yeah.
2: And I think for me, like,
0: on the one hand, that's the big problem with, with academia. I mean, I see that all the time, you know. I actually uh, stop reading academic papers. I mean, I occasionally read them. But they're just so, even if you read them, the practical utility of them is like nil. You know, um, which is like, Bizarre to me. It's bizarre.
1: I mean, and it's not like a hundred percent, you know, there there is there is useful stuff coming out of research and academia, but it is it is an inefficient way of going about
2: gathering useful um useful
0: problem solving kind of content. Well well, this is this is actually what I would say to that. And I think you probably would well, let me ask you what do you think about this, right? I believe that there there are of course some useful things coming out of academia. But my my pushback against that would be, there's so many inefficiencies now on an everyday basis that we don't need to go looking for the thing at the frontier. We need to go and like you know, make these inefficient processes efficient like, like, like if, you, if, you, if you only did that for you know I think that you would drive up efficiency way more than trying to figure out what the new thing is or the new take or some new discovery or whatever else yeah okay
2: there, there are a couple ways to look at it though because
1: I was sitting with my wife uh, we were at dinner like right as I was finishing this online course and I was like, I didn't need to go to college. Like I I could have gone straight to a coding camp if I knew that existed then. And I could be making more than I'm making now, you know, at another job. And I wouldn't have a degree. I'd be very specialized in whatever coding experience I had. Uh, But like you said, I could get a job with that experience. I mean, that's happening. Every single day with, uh, especially, especially in the technology field. Yeah. Um, In the technology field, especially, you don't need to have the accreditation. You need to have the skills and that's, that's less and less true. The further you go into more standard classical um, degree programs that lead into an occupation, except you know, you get to a certain point where you start getting into trades and then it it reverses back. But um, like for my job i don't I don't need a master's, and I probably didn't need all the information that I gained from my bachelor's even. but we won't hire somebody with just an engineering technical degree, although I, I think that they could do the job. Um, we just won't do it, and part of it's just the culture of the company or the industry. but there is something valuable about taking the long way to get information. And this is, this goes back to the book I was reading recently called range, just talking about there is value to uh, wide sampling early on Mm -hmm. and not going straight to something narrow. And the reason is not efficiency, but the reason is, uh, a balance and a well-roundedness to your mind, your thought processing and your problem solving. You have more life experience and metaphors to draw on to solve problems than mm-hmm. if you just had taken one track. And you get, you've gotten there quicker and you may be more specialized and you may and, and it's not true across the board. You may be just as good as anybody else, you know, any any other coworker who who took the long way. But Chances are you have you just have a, a, a bigger bench to draw from to put in the game. And there's some there's some value to that, even though it was inefficient to get there. Um, you know, it's it's like whenever I was in college. I was often frustrated with some of the gen eds that I had to take I'm like I, I just need to learn math and science and then, you know, send me off to my job and I could have done my job with just the math and science but there still is value to taking economics to taking philosophy to taking writing classes actually you you really need that um so there's a balance i guess i'm trying to say is we're doing things inefficiently you could take a more direct course get to where someone needs to be and cut out like the crap but there's sometimes a lot of value to that that you can't You can't measure. You know, I think
0: talking to you is really revealing. And I want to get to some parts of the article and back to your project in just a second. But I think the thing that I'm hearing you say is um, having a broad range of knowledge on a topic is really useful, which you can't necessarily get by just working on one project. Yeah. And I would assume... Then what would happen is you would like in my perfect world, right? You're like working on, I don't know. Um, the solar panel and you make the breakthrough and then you, and this is, this is sort of what's happened to me, but I think it relates to what you're saying. Um, Then you pitch it to a company say, Hey, I want you to hire me. And then they say, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we can't hire you, right? And so then what you have to do is you have to understand, um, you, you have to go back to the job board, back to the drawing board, and think, okay, why did they not hire me? And then think through, well, it's because, you know, of whatever. So then I need to go back and get this skill. So whatever the, whatever the next barrier is to, getting your thing, to, to to getting your original contribution out there, becomes the next area of 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 learning um and i think the thing that i hadn't counted on that i think that you have is that you're the kind of person who when they hit that barrier they don't just keep doing the same thing right thinking that this one skill will 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 help they go learn something else And if you give people a general education, you kind of force them to like learn a bunch of different things, some of which are useful, some of which are not. But if, but on on the flip side, if people think, oh, I've learned this one thing really well, I've created this original contribution, but then they don't think, but then they hit a problem and they just stop like, no, 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 no. Your mindset has to be one where you're always ready to solve the next problem. And I mean, that's what I see you doing, right? Like you're, you didn't have to have a coding class. You went back and you got a coding class to solve this problem. And it's sort of the, I mean, it's, it is the mindset, I think, of a true student. I mean, I think that's the ideal student. So when he takes what they've learned, you know, I had one coding class. Oh, that might be useful if I actually knew how to use that well. Let me go mm-hmm. back and refresh and then like, you know, apply those skills to this thing. Mm-hmm. So there, I think there is a mindset shift of being a perpetual student in a way.
1: Yeah, and some people, I think, maybe have that innately or from the beginning. And but I, I definitely didn't. I mean, I've I've sat in this position for four years and been very frustrated with this problem for two yeah. years, and then finally it was like, oh, instead of looking for a different job, maybe I could just make this better. But um, yeah i just sat in that for years
0: (laughs) yeah i mean look i I totally i totally get what you're saying because i've said the same thing myself and i think i'm saying to you what my wife says to me of yes but you didn't go get a different job yeah like the proof is in the pudding right it's like it's like bravery yeah you might not feel brave but the proof is the fact that you stood your ground (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's the same thing like you might not have felt like you are that kind of person but the proof is the fact that you took the course and <laughs> you're doing yeah. the thing now. Yeah. So, I kind yeah, <laughs> of feel lucky like, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I feel the same way for sure. Yeah. Like how did I stumble uh, onto this thing? I, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. So here's the, here's the thing. Uh, the thesis of my new article is if you have that skill, right? And not the skill of coding, um, but if you have the skill of solving problems, uh, what you end up doing is you create enough, you, you create more and more original contributions that basically build an, uh, uh, like an opportunity web, right? And so the more you have of those, the more opportunities will sort of fly into your web and they'll give you more opportunities to create more, contributions and then keeps growing and growing and growing and that's how you secure your career mm-hmm. yeah. um, but there's three caveats so I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch these to you and see what you think about these three nuances okay the first nuance is um, you can't predict what opportunities will come
2: or when they will come Right,
0: And so my experience with this has been, and like I mentioned this to you before, like I had this podcast for a long time and, you know, honestly, didn't do great. Mm-hmm. But people knew that I had a podcast. And then uh, one day I, I interviewed a guy and after the interview, he was like, you got to come work, work for me. And I've been working with him, you know, ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're on the other side of that right I mean you you haven't yet got any like major opportunities to see that out of this yet or mm-hmm. have you I, I guess I, I don't actually know yeah well I guess my
1: one of the nice things about trying new things like this I guess is you don't always have in your mind you know you don't have an expectation about what's supposed mm-hmm. to happen my expectation is that I'm going to eliminate the boring stuff and uh, share it with my coworkers and they'll like me better, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. And I'd be satisfied if it ends there, But, uh, but also any future job I have or any future role I have where computers involved, I feel like I can make it less boring. So I'm satisfied if that's all, all I get out of this in a sense, but. Yeah, I think you're right. You don't know what opportunities present themselves. I mean, this could turn into something different. Yeah. I doubt I, I doubt I become a software engineer. I don't think I want to become a software engineer,
0: but um, yeah, who knows? I don't, you're right, yeah. That's actually, I think a great point, right? It goes back to mindset. My mindset having sort of learned this stuff is to do this on purpose in order to create a web. Mm-hmm. But that means that I'm expecting to get some sort of opportunity eventually. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. you're like, no, nah, I'm just trying to solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more practical. It's much more practical. <laughs> and so yeah, you don't you don't have the anxiety of waiting for, you know, mm. the next thing. Mm. And I, I think both of those have benefits. You know, I think for people like me, you can sort of have this low low level of anxiety, like when's the next thing gonna come? Mm and if I can give some unsolicited advice to you it would be if an opportunity well when an opportunity comes like be aware of it cuz i mm-hmm. hate for something so, for someone to, to propose an idea and you go okay cuz you're not really looking for them and then you miss out <laughs> on an opportunity
2: you know mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah so
2: yeah
0: all right number 2 you have to publicize your contributions you got to work in public right we talked about i should actually put this in the in the article nikola tesla right digging digging ditches when he had solved the (laughs) modern energy problem right (laughs) like um but also like that's why i i blog and honestly i've started to get a few people who like want to uh consult with me so i'm doing consultations now in in coaching people see people see the blog and they reach out and they want individual coaching Mm -hmm. um which honestly the public the the talking talking about your work in public always feels really slimy to me it just feels sort of like a Mm. politician-y um but i don't know a way around that so how does Mm -hmm. that look you how does it the idea of working in public or talking about your projects or
1: I think we talked about this a little bit I think just the, the specifics of what I'm doing I'm going to share with my boss and I'm going to share with my coworkers once it's at a point where it's not breaking every other time you're using it and it's, it's not at that point now but I want it to be more robust and I want it to be more user-friendly um, and then I will share it but I think the nature of what I'm doing I was trying to I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to talk about it. So I thought of a, another metaphor. I, I live in a world where my work is to um, pick up a bunch of tools, say, and carry them down the street and um, then go back down the street and pick up more and carry them down the street. Every time I do that, I, Company says, "Good job, you did. You did your job. You know, do it again." And uh, I've been doing that for a couple of years, and it's it's the same thing every time. Even though there's slightly different tools I pick up, it's pretty boring because it's monotonous. And I have discovered a way to build a moped. So I've got a little like thing in the back that I open up and I put the stuff in that I used to carry, and now I turn the key and I rev it up and I like, you know, zip down the the road, but I also live in a world with semis and dump trucks and huge trains and cargo jets moving massive amounts of tools and equipment. And, you know, I'm, I'm driving my moped. It's what I'm doing is not revolutionary or big or, and, and, how i learned to build my moped was by basically watching youtube videos you know watching other people piece together their little mopeds um, where where these people were were piecing together you know f1 f150s yeah <laughs> and so i can share what i'm doing in public and it will be of some value to somebody it may incentivize somebody to also build a moped but i am just And you've said this too, the coding I know may be more than, you know, 80% of the general population, but it's, I am such an amateur. Really all I have to share is, Hey, I'm solving some problems using these very basic tools. You should consider that too. You know, I, I encounter problems, I Google them and I find other people that solve them. And so for me to, blog about my problem solving it's hey guys like look it up on google i don't have the knowledge to even explain the solutions to my problems i'm finding them from other people so i think for me to do this in public is really to encourage other people to do what i'm doing which is following other people um and to think about Hey, if you have a computer, a boring computer problem, you don't need to just sit on it for years. There are very accessible, very easy ways to automate these processes. And I, I didn't realize it was so easy. Yeah. So that's, that's what I can contribute, I think, at this point.
2: Um, which there's value to
1: that, but it's also... Um, you know, it's, it's a little different than a true original contribution, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to two things, right? I've, I don't think original contributions, as I mean them, have to be massive. But yeah, like the example that I use in the, in the article is, if you're doing therapy mm-hmm. for an agency, and you figure out a way to get you know, two, three, four times more referrals for, the, for, the, for your team, Right. Mm. That's an original contribution. It doesn't have to be a a huge thing. It solves a real problem. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so I don't want to get hung up on the magnitude of the contribution. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: As long as it solves a real problem. And I think my question then
2: for you is like
0: my experience has been bosses and co-workers are busy. And so how to get on their radar? You know, like I have made projects for bosses in the past, like full-fledged projects. And they just like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And they move on. And my question is f- for, for you, if you're not willing, and I, I, it, like even talking about it in public doesn't mean like blogging about it. It means like mm-hmm. telling your friend at the, at the office, hey, I have this project that I'm working on. Can I test it? on your data, because maybe you have a facet Mm -hmm. that I don't work on. So Mm -hmm. then he he or she knows about it, right? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I think that's that's, that's my question, is how do you ensure Mm -hmm. that you get the eyeballs, the attention? Because if 90% of your, let's say 80% of your job is boring work, Mm -hmm. if you could increase 80% efficiency across your whole department, Mm-hmm. Like, that would be worth it to to the company. Right? Like that be yeah, a huge yeah. thing. So like I think
1: that's what my hope is. That's my intention, is to share it with with my coworkers and my boss. Um yeah, I'm not gonna sit on this
2: forever. Um and I hope they like it. Yeah, definitely.
1: So yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. I
2: don't
1: don't see a scenario where I get this like two years down the road, I've been just using this tool um, over and over again. And I haven't told anybody about it Um, in a matter of months. Once I have it, like, like right now, just the nature of it, it's like, uh, it's just messy. Like I, you pull up a Python script and run it and like, it's not user friendly, so I need to I need to learn how to make it more user friendly to share with my coworkers so that they're not confused on on what it's doing or how to work it.
0: Oh. So then you're going to get into design.
1: Yeah. See yeah.
0: that's UX. the next
1: thing. User experience.
0: <laughs> UX exactly. Take a take a UX course, man. That's the next thing. See you got it. You got the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's endless, but it's it's cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. For sure. Um, I think you have more faith. And, you know, I've, I've also been, been burned by this candidate. I've something I thought was really uh, helpful and not getting enough publicity and then it just dies. So I think you have more faith that you can show it to your boss and your coworkers and they'll go, oh, they'll see the, the value, which brings me to my, to my, to my last point, um, is that you should always start with things people have to have right like we talk about this as product market fit um and if you think about you know uh like in the therapy world like referrals are a big thing if you don't have referrals you don't have a business so that's an that's an obvious thing that many people would probably sign up for you know if you had a, a course on how to get more referrals do you feel like this is enough of a product market fit? Do you, you know, even in your small sort of job, do you feel like this is a massive pain point for other people? Something that people will obviously then go, well, yeah, I have to have this. Hmm. I think
2: so.
1: Well, I think what will tell if it's a product market fit is if after this tool is done or like at a state where I give it to my coworkers, that they use it instead of running around. Mm. And if they're doing that, then yeah, it was. Um, or, you know, same for me. I think one distinction between what I'm doing and just kind of how we're talking about this is if, and we touched on this earlier with my, my expectation of where this goes, even if nobody else uses this and nobody else appreciates it, or nobody else finds out about it, which they won't, but I'm happy. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making this for myself I'm making this because I have a problem and I'm making it, I'm not cater. I'm actually not catering it to anybody else's need at this point. I'm catering it to like every day. What is bothering me? I'm going to fix that. And I have a very, you know, I suspect, that the same problems that are bothering me are bothering all my coworkers, and once I get to that point where here you go this is what I'm using I hope it's useful for you and I I'll ask them you know is there anything I could improve on it is there functionality that you wish you had are there are there other problems that I could solve for you you know after I'm done solving my own and that may be where it it leads into something where, you know, I write less repairs because I'm just writing code to help all of my teammates write repairs better. That would be actually pretty cool. Um, I I might enjoy that, um, but I'm not, that's not what my goal is. And so if it doesn't go there, um, it doesn't go there. But I think that it is a product market fit because right now I'm the market. (laughs) (laughs) and and that's a really really beautiful thing is that like i'm the market and i've got the problem and so i'm going to make it fit and um and maybe that's where maybe that's where really good products actually get made is when they're actually fitting a real need i think that going back to college when a lot of our capstone projects as engineers were solving problems as senior, senior engineering students, what I noticed was capstone projects usually aren't very good, not because an engineer doesn't know how to solve a problem, but because they don't know how to find a good problem to solve. I think we've, I was over at your house for dinner a few months ago, and we talked about this. You said, you're talking about problem solving. I, I think I said, the real hard question is to find the good question. I mean, that, that's the hardest thing is to find the real good problems to solve because we can solve them but um, yeah if you can find and that's exactly what product market fit is, is finding the right problem to solve what do people really need what do people really want and it's really nice when you start out
2: as the, the market yeah
1: especially if you don't initially intend for it to go beyond yourself right, right. there's no way to fail at that <laughs> It's
0: only winning,
1: yeah. But but that's not that's not the the world of you know um, of creating products for other people. You know, I'm not going to make more money necessarily if I just solve this problem and don't share it with anybody and just do my job quicker. I I guess it's possible if I I get more raises because I am more efficient in my job and my supervisor notices that or something. But that's less likely. so yeah, I don't necessarily have a direct economic incentive to make my product. It's more of a improve my life.
0: You know, I'm gonna say this, and then I wanna ask you one final question. I think that. I think that. How can I say this? I'm gonna say this. I think that you are the kind of person, honestly, that. Uh, Is going to be successful. I mean, I think I think you're already successful. We talked about that as well. And I think uh, your success is like only going to just exponentially go up. And honestly, when I was in college and when I was out of college, up until I would say probably two years ago, I was an idiot, just like a just, like a, a, just a straight idiot. Um, and I think. That for me, the trap in listening to someone like, like you is believing you, honestly, because I think that you would have said, like if if you were 50 right, and I was 25, you would have told me this whole story, and I would have heard, just make stuff for yourself, work really hard, uh, and you'll you know do well in life. But what I would have missed is that you actually went out and learned a new skill and you actually solved a valuable problem. And then you thought about user design and interface, right? Like all of those actual technical parts. Um, I just would've heard someone say, work hard at your job, you know, follow your dreams. (laughs)
1: You know, no. like, what, like what you do do what you like, like. What
0: you do yeah. yeah you know like yeah. i would have that's 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 what i would have heard and i would have missed all of this yeah. i think for me that's sort of the the like point of distilling it all out in this way and i think that you're right right like in some ways to have this as your framework sets you up to like sort of always hop for the next thing mm. And that's not what I want for people. That doesn't sound restful. That sounds very anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that's also true is I think if we're not clear on the actual steps you've actually taken, then the advice sounds like, you know, love what you do work really mm-hmm. hard. And then, and then people like me, who are idiots are like, like, well, that's what I was doing for five years, but somehow I, I, it's not working. <laughs> like I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Um, which, which, which I actually think is the problem of success. I think that, that the big problem with, with success is if you succeed, you often don't know how, like what you did to be successful. It, it, it just worked. Yeah. And that brings me back to my last question for you as we wrap this up is um, what advice would you give, right? Say someone is in college right now. You know, they're I don't know, a junior or senior or whatever. What advice would you give people?
2: I think it is to have
1: so it's balance, but there's there's to approach all the hurdles that you're going to face with know that you're going to face hurdles and know that um in order to overcome them, you need to be patient. So The reason I say balance, I guess, is because um, this is my second job after college. I'm a young guy. You know, it's not like I've been working in industry for a long, long time. I've been in the industry for seven years or out of college for seven years. The first job I had was terrible. I hated it. And I knew pretty quickly I needed to leave. And so I did. Um, And that was a good move.
2: Um, I shouldn't have stuck it out.
1: The job I'm in now, I have at times hated it and I could have moved, but I stuck it out and, um, decided to overcome the the problem at work with learning a new skill. But I didn't figure that out until three months ago and it took years to do. And I'm really glad I did. Um, but I think what's hard to get what's hard when giving advice to, to other people, especially around career stuff, is um there's so many variables. You may encounter the same problem one year and the, the same problem again five years later, and the, the answer was something different. It just depended. And so I think maybe that circles back to value in and having a wide sampling before you go narrow into something is being able to have a balanced approach to problems you're solving. So um and then the problems you're solving aren't necessarily engineering problems, but like in a counseling world, I don't have enough referrals. How am I going to solve this problem? Um or you may have a problem with a specific client or something, you know, how am I going to solve this problem? Um, They're not all technical problems. It might just be this job doesn't feel like a good fit. Um, So I think having balance, patience and then a willingness to learn a new skill so that you can look at your problem from a new perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. I love it. I'm I'm enjoying it (laughs) and I haven't
0: enjoyed this in a long time. Look, Patton, I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you very much, um, man. Maybe we can do this again some someday. Yeah, I love talking to you whether we're uh, in a podcast or not. So anytime. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. See you later, man.